As we get started, I want to invite you to stand um, as we read today's scripture from Psalm 23 and just really prepare our hearts for what God has this morning. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you are guiding our church in this season. God, we have prayed that you would prepare a a leader and a family to be part of what is next for our church and that you would prepare our church for what is next. And so, God, we just thank you for how you have guided the Camper family, how you have guided us in this process. And God, we are just expectant um, as we discern this week what your spirit is doing. And God, as we open up Psalm 23 today and really just spend time praying and processing how we respond in this moment, how we respond to the fears that we carry, the anxieties that we have, the, the, just the disbelief that many of us feel God, I pray that your your spirit would show us how Jesus is our good shepherd king. In your name, amen. Well, you can be seated. Well, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you know that uh, we've been in a series on relationships called The Better Half. And as um, I was preparing this week and just watching things unfold on the news, um, we were actually going to talk this week about lust and adultery. And it felt a little tone deaf for the moment. So we're going to hit pause for a week on our relationship series. Because I don't know about you, but as I've watched Twitter and blogs and uh, talked with many of you and talked with friends, it, it is astounding to me how many of us feel personally connected to what's happening on the other side of the world through, through family and friends. Uh, for us personally, we, we have friends that are missionaries um, in Ukraine. We have, uh, there was a church planter that we were good friends with in Tucson from Ukraine that came to Tucson. And, and many of us, it, there's been all of these different feelings that have gone on. There's all these different feelings of anxiety and, and fear. And, and, and even there's also this weird feeling of feeling overwhelmed as we watch social media, as we scroll through things and just feeling like there's this overwhelming helplessness that we feel and what to do in this moment. But then there's also this weird feeling. Wednesday, I went to a country concert with my daughter in Boston and I'm walking around thinking, this doesn't even feel like anything's happening in our world right now. And so there's this weird kind of dichotomy that's happening. There's this weird thing that's going on. And so I thought it would be helpful for us to just spend some time today talking about this moment, talking about where God is, and then we're going to close by doing a a spiritual practice known as praying the Psalms. 
And I think it'll help us to center. And, and you know, one of the things that, that comes up a lot, especially in moments like this, is whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you've probably thought this week, well, where is God in this? Like, what is even going on? You know, what, why isn't God stopping this? Why isn't God stepping in? And when you think about this past week, what, I, want, I want you to think for a moment, just kind of think back. What are some things you've processed about God in this past week? Have you felt God's closeness in this past week, or do you feel like God is distant in this moment? Have you felt yourself drawing closer to God, or have you felt yourself pulling away because of the anxiety or fear that you carry? Do you picture God in heaven right now as caring what's going on in our world or aloof to what's going on in our world? See, the feelings we have about God, the way we view God, determines how we not only see this moment and our lives, but also how we pray in this moment. You see, if God is, is not involved, if God doesn't care, then that determines a lot about how we pray. But if we believe that God is powerful, that God is over all things, and that nothing in our world happens without God's direction or permission, then, then that determines how we pray. And I don't know about you, but I mean, there's been nights this week and even conversations with my kids where I've just sat there and I thought, I have no idea what God is doing right now. I have no idea what God is doing. And, and then, uh, you know, there, there's always some well-meaning person that will hop on and, and, and say, you know, this is, this is the end of the world. And let me just... Uh, that's a different sermon, but let me just say that for a second. For 2,000 years, the followers of Jesus have believed they were living in the end of the world. Like the whole New Testament was written to churches that believed they were living in the end of the world. And so that's why I think the scripture is so comforting to us, is that the whole New Testament, the whole churches, even First and Second Thessalonians, Paul is writing, hey, keep living your lives. Like, you, you don't know when the end of the world will happen. You don't know when Jesus will return. It could be today. It, it also could be in 2,000 years, which sometimes is hard to believe, but I have to believe that 2,000 years ago, they had a hard time believing that we would still be here. And so there is, there is that that we hold on to. But here's why this matters. Here's why it matters how we view God. It matters because the way we view God, if we view God as close or distant, that determines our prayers. It determines how we experience God in this moment, and it determines what we look to in this moment for comfort, for hope. And what we look to as we handle our fears. And so in Psalm 23, it's a psalm that if you've ever uh, been to a, a funeral, you've heard it's one that is up on many walls in people's homes. Rap songs have been written about Psalm 23 throughout history. But Psalm 23 is one that, that we gravitate towards because it is so personal. David writes so personal. You feel the closeness that David feels in this psalm. 
He says this, the Lord is my shepherd. You feel this ownership, my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, for us in this culture, a shepherd is not something that we talk a lot about. We, you know, when you're sitting in elementary school and say to the kids like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Very few kids say, I want to grow up to be a shepherd. Right, but in this culture, a shepherd was a very common thing. I remember when I was in Israel, you go to Israel, you just see there's just shepherds everywhere leading their sheep. And a shepherd, though, in this culture 2,500 years ago could also be the title for a king because they had very common commonalities. The shepherd was one who led the flock, who was out in front, who was saying, this is where we're going for food. This is where we're going to find water. And here's the amazing thing when you go through Israel. When David is writing in the nation of Israel, as a shepherd, you could walk for days and not see grass. You could walk for days and not see water. And so the shepherd is out in front. The shepherd, their job is to protect the sheep, to care for the sheep, to make sure that they have what they need. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. I have what I need. Now notice he doesn't say, I have everything that I want. Because especially in this moment, what, what do we want? We want less anxiety. We want less fear. We want to know things. But, Jesus, but David says, I have what I need. And so the promise of God, this is hard for us sometimes because God does not promise to give us all that we want, but promises to give us all that we need. And so in this moment, one of the things, especially when we have this feeling that like maybe we're not getting all that we want, that's an invitation for us to say, okay, God, help me to live with what I need. Is there something that maybe I want that I'm not getting that God's saying, hey, not yet. You don't get this yet. And David says, my shepherd is with me. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. Because the shepherd takes his sheep to rest, to peace. At, at night, when the sheep are, are in the pen, the shepherd is the one that sleeps at the gate, that sleeps over the gate so that to get to the sheep, you have to get through the shepherd. And so Psalm 23, if you're taking notes, tells us that because God is close, you and I are never alone. That because God is close, you and I are never alone. And, and here's why this passage is so important right now, because when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need right now. That is what we need. That God is our shepherd. I have everything I need. I lack nothing because God is my shepherd king. God is close. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. I don't know about you, but as I reflect on just the last several years of walking through COVID, 
of everything that we've experienced in the last several years. And now, as we walk into this new season, it is exhausting. And here's one of the things that we do. And, and in our exhaustion, we keep looking for more information. It's hard to put your phone down and stop reading about what's happening in the world. And here's the other thing that happens, at least for me, when I, when I read something and have just a sense of disbelief and, uh, or horror, I keep reading. Like, I don't stop. <laughs> and then I just get more amped up and I get more anxious and, I just, and then I just keep on reading and, until finally, like, I just want to throw my phone across the room. And here's what David says, the Lord as our shepherd gives us rest, gives us peace. But to do that, to experience that, we have to look away from the things we're looking at and have to look to Jesus to follow him, to get our rest. And, and so, and this is for me as well. Some of us right now, the best thing that you can do for your soul is put your phone down. Maybe look at one news outlet instead of 13. Maybe stop reading all the blogs about the State of the Union speech that's just raising your blood pressure or making you angry. Because here's the thing, no matter what you read and no matter what you read that leads you to disbelief, there is somebody that reads something about you and what you believe and leads them to disbelief right now. That's how divided and polarized our world is. We're all living in a collective disbelief at something right now. And what that does is it just leads us to more anxiety, more fear, more anger. I mean, just the erosion of our souls right now and our bodies. I mean, like last night as I was just thinking through this, I mean, I, I woke up at 1 a.m. and I could not stop thinking about things, things I have no control over. And so it was, it was this really great experience for God to be like, okay, you're going to preach about praying the Psalms. We're going to do this at 1 a.m. Here we go. Practice. But for me to experience the rest of green pastures and quiet waters, because let's be honest, we, we could use some quiet waters. Your soul could use some quiet waters. But to do that, you have to look to Jesus instead of the things you're looking at to experience that rest. And it was interesting at our teaching team this week when I, we did our run-through, we do a run-through every week of our sermon. And one of the people asked, well, if you're not a follower of Jesus, is, is Jesus your shepherd king? And it's a great question. But here's the reality. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't have any desire for Jesus to be your shepherd king. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus means I want Jesus to be my king and rule my life, which means I want to follow Jesus to wherever he goes. And that means I may not always like where Jesus leads me. Because I can look back at my life and in moments go, this didn't feel like quiet waters, but it was. 
where Jesus was renewing my life in moments that were stretching and painful. But renewal doesn't happen in easy places. Because look at the next verse. You know, it's easy to read this passage and go, okay, green pastures, quiet water. That sounds amazing. What does verse four say? Even though, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Now, without being a shepherd, do you know what a rod and staff are used for? They're not, they're not, they're not comforting things to a sheep. They're the, they're the hurting part. They're, sometimes they're smacking the sheep. Now, here's, the th- here's, here's why David says God is our shepherd, because we're exactly like sheep. I remember when I was in Israel, we had, actually got to follow around a shepherd, and he was telling us all about, all about sheep. And we were walking along this, this stream, and, he, and we stopped, and we all kind of stopped, and he, and he just like looked out, you know, kind of had that faraway like cowboy look that he was looking off into the distance. And, and then he said, he said, you know, here's the thing about sheep. He said, if one of my sheep right now walked into this stream, and it was just a couple inches, and he said, but if they got wet enough, he said it would knock them over. And he said, and then that sheep would drown and die. But he said, it's not just that sheep because all the other sheep then follow that sheep. And he said, and they're bleeding and making noises and they're anxious and they're freaking out and then they're just going into the stream and they're getting wet and they're dying. And he said, until the shepherd steps in and goes, no, 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 no. And here's the amazing thing. I want you to think about your anxiety and fear that you've had recently. Did you get that from anybody else? Did you notice how like when you go into a room at work or or at school and like people are like anxious about something or amped up about something and you like get amped up about something and then all of a sudden like, and then you add to the anxiety and then like it just, it like piles and other people come in, hey, did you you read that? And you're, I mean, and your fear rises up. Why? Because somebody else's fear rises up. We are exactly like sheep. And David said, and yet, the shepherd's rod and staff are comforting. Because sometimes I know that you think people who disagree with you need the shepherd's rod and staff, but sometimes you do too. Can I say that as your pastor? Sometimes you need it. <laughs> I need it. I, I need Jesus to step in and go, no, get back. Like, I, I need that. And that doesn't feel comforting in the moment. But it is because, look, he says only, he says, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, because one of the things that we often ask, and this is our big prayer in the midst of hard and dark seasons and dark places, we say, God, will you please take me out of this? Will you please just, you know, take this person in this relationship who's driving me nuts away? But what does David say? No, no, no. God prepares the place in the presence of my enemies. The answer that we hope for often in our difficulties and and dark places is removal. And God says, no, no, I'll just, I'll be there with you. 
And so I think for us in the midst of moments right now, in the midst of anxiety and fear and worry, it's less about saying, God, how can you get me out of this? And more about saying, God, how can I see where you are? Help me to find you. Help me to not miss you. Help me to not miss what you're doing. Because one of the constant themes of, of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is not the removal of the people of God from difficult things. But one of the consistent themes is God's continual presence in the midst of difficult things. He says, you prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, when you anoint somebody with oil in, in, in the Old Testament, it is... It's saying, hey, this is, this is the person, this is the place. It's a consecration. So it is David saying, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. The dark place, the dark valley, the green pasture, the quiet water, both places I am exactly where I'm supposed to be in the presence of my shepherd king. And... He says, my cup overflows, like it is abundant, like God's presence is abundant in this place. The place for us to, because so many times we say, God, I need more of your presence. I want more of you. And, and all the while, what we often do is we just run from the difficulty. But no, our cup overflows in the dark place because God is there. He says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. See, David has incredible confidence. Because he ends by saying, I will dwell with Jesus forever. I will dwell in the house of God forever. And he can say that because God is close. We are never alone. See, and here's the amazing thing about Psalm 23. Is that the book of Psalms is the prayer book of the people of God throughout history. It is the book that they used to pray prayers when they didn't know what to pray. It's the book that they used to sing songs as they sang worship songs in, in the early church in the book of Acts in the New Testament. But in Psalms, as it's written in Hebrew, here's the amazing thing. Smack in the middle of this passage is one phrase in verse 4. And leading up to this phrase are 26 Hebrew words, and after this phrase are 26 other Hebrew words. Right in the middle of Psalm 23 are four words, and this is the confidence David has. You are with me. Right in the middle. This is the confidence that David has. You are with me. See, no matter what we're facing, no matter what this week holds, and you may came today thinking, man, you know what? It can't get any worse. And it's possible it can. And David clings to and holds to, God, you are with me. You are with me. Crux of Psalm 23. You are not alone. 
No one in our world who is under the rule of Jesus is alone. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how hard it gets. You know, and for me, as I've watched different things and and read different articles, I have been just astounded at the faith of Christians in Ukraine. Just blown away. And in many ways, humbled in, in, in my own faith of just kind of searching my, my own heart and, and, and asking God, how, how deep is my faith? How much do I trust you? And yet, again and again, it, you know, in, in story after story coming out of Ukraine is just, We know God is with us. And so as I mentioned, one of the practices throughout church history that the church did was called praying the Psalms. And for me, I really started zeroing in on this spiritual practice at the beginning of COVID. And where it came from, the connection for me was, I've always been the kind of person that would read through the Bible in a year I really liked the feeling of checking off verses and accomplishing and saying, I read the Bible in a year, I'm super spiritual. And, um, and I remember when COVID hit, um, and I just had a really hard time just connecting when I would open my Bible. And I had remembered hearing about praying the Psalms, and so I just felt like every day I'm just going to start praying a Psalm, I'm just going to use a Psalm the way praying the Psalms works is that you just use a Psalm as a prayer guide, that you use it as a launching point in, in your own prayer life. Sometimes you maybe insert your name or insert the name of somebody else. Um, this past week, uh, we did this around our table at, at home and just praying for people in Ukraine. But throughout church history, the church has used the Psalms as a way to pray. And this past week, as we were just praying through this, um, and actually right before I went into a meeting to talk through this Sunday, my friend who is a church planter in Tucson from Ukraine had posted Psalm 34 and just said, I'm using this this week as as a prayer and want to invite other people to use it as well. And and so I'm going to read Psalm 34, and then I'm going to lead us through just using that as a prayer. This is what Psalm 34, verses 15 to 18 say. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And it struck me as, because we we did this practice as a staff together this past week using this passage. And David writing, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears hear their cry. The ears of God hear our cry like a parent who hears the cry of his child or her child. And then verse 16, it just astounding that God will cut off the memory of evil from the earth. That one day coming, I mean, imagine this, that one day there will be no memory of evil 
I mean, we can't even fathom that. I, I have such a hard time even fathoming that there will be no memory of evil. And that the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and delivers them. But notice again, just like Psalm 23, it doesn't say when or how. And so here's what I want us to do. I'm going to read this passage again. And when I'm done, right where you are, whether you're at home or here in the room, just quietly in your heart, whatever comes to mind, I want you to use Psalm 34 as a launching point for your prayer time right now, just as we process this. To have some silence, I want to encourage you, don't pick up your phone. You might feel tempted to. Just leave it there. Your soul needs some time with Jesus. And so I'm going to read it again. And then whatever comes to mind, whether it's personal for somebody else, for Ukraine, whatever. And then we're going to sing a song that, that I believe is just us proclaiming, God, you are making a way. You are the way maker. You are keeping your promises. And we're just going to remind ourselves that God will keep his promises. So Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Father, I thank you for the Psalms. I thank you for the promise that you are near the brokenhearted. You are near those who are crushed in spirit. God, so many people in our world right now are afflicted, are crushed, are brokenhearted. Not just with what's happening in Ukraine, but just in, in our lives, in relationships.
God, many of us have wondered this week if you, how close you are, how powerful you are as we've watched things unfold. So God, help us to cling to the promise that David saw, that David held onto throughout his life, that you are with me. I pray that we would follow our shepherd king through the dark valley. Because the valley does end, we walk through the valley of darkness. We don't stay in the valley. The valley doesn't have a wall that we can't get over, but we walk through it. So God, we trust that no matter what comes our way, no matter what we face in the coming days, that you will walk with us through the valley. In your name, amen.